0: So good to see you all today, if you're a guest I want to welcome you, my name is Jared Ming. I'm the lead pastor here at Higher Vision, not only do we have people joining us here in the room, but we have people joining us in homes around the world, I've got some names on the screen back there like Latvia, Philadelphia, Sacramento, can we hear it for all of our church family that's joining us around the world, wow, we're pumped that you're with us today. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Isaiah 59. We're going to finish up a series called Raise the Standard. Anybody um, this last several weeks feel like God's starting to do something and victory's starting to come in that battle that you're raging in in the Spirit? How many would say amen to that? Amen. While you're turning there, I'd love to start with something funny. And I heard a story. I heard a story about this older gentleman who had many years of challenges with his hearing. He had a real hearing problem. So he went to the doctor and they had this new technology with a a hearing aid that was supposed to really help him. So the doctor installed it and he said, come back in a month and uh, I want to check and see how you're doing. A month later, the man comes back and when he gets back, the doctor checks him out and he says, wow, I am so impressed. Your hearing is perfect. You have perfect hearing. It must be awesome. Your family must really be excited to know that you can hear now. He looks at the doctor. He says, oh, I haven't told him yet. He said, I've just been listening to their conversations for the last month, and I've changed my will three times. So, um, you know what, today I do want to say that I believe that God wants us to hear what he's saying. And sometimes we get blocked by hardness of heart, by challenges of life. But I believe today God is going to say something and we're going to open our hearts. Somebody ready to open their heart to hear what God wants to say. Would you stand to your feet? Those of you joining us online, why don't you do the same? We're going to read our theme verse that we've been reading for the last several weeks. And we're going to finish this series up called Raise a Standard. And I want everyone to read this loud and bold. You ready? Here we go, everyone. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Will you close your eyes? Holy Spirit, we just acknowledge you. We welcome you. We know that it's your work in our hearts, it's your work in our lives that is what really transforms everything. So rather than fighting you, we're gonna surrender to you. Speak to us. Speak to us today in this place and in homes around the world. In Jesus' name. Can somebody say amen? Don't you sense the Lord here today? Why don't you be seated? You know, we've learned that life has challenges. Sometimes it's just things in life take place. Sometimes we're experiencing consequences for our decisions. But many times it's because we're in a spiritual battle. The Bible says in, in the book of Ephesians that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. So we're in this spiritual battle, and what we've learned in the passage we read a moment ago in Isaiah is that God spoke to his people to say this. He said, listen, I know that you're in a battle, and when the enemy comes in, I'm going to fight for you. Isn't it good to know God fights for us? So he lifted up a standard, and we've learned that through this passage, this messianic passage, that there are some principles that are a pattern. If God used this pattern in warfare, how many think it's a good idea that we repeat that pattern? So we've learned a few things. In week one, we learned we raised the standard through intercession. He raised up an intercessor, right? Jesus is now at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. We engage in intercession with him. Secondly, we learned righteousness, the pattern of righteousness, that we learned to stand in the authority and the righteousness of Christ that has been imputed to us. We learned in week three that the Spirit is there to lift the standard. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have invited the Holy Spirit to help you pray this week? Let me ask this question. How many of you have been praying in your spiritual language this week? I'm excited about that. We had many people last weekend experience, and on the week, on Wednesday night and Thursday, receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's awesome what God is doing. Today I want to give you the next big point. We're going to land this plane, this series we've been in, and we're going to see victory and breakthrough. The big idea this week, and the last part of the pattern, is this we ready? Raise the standard through legacy. Everybody say legacy. Let me show you the ending of this passage and what I mean by that. Go with me to Isaiah 59, verse 20. So remember, he says, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard when the enemy comes in, right? Then it says this, the Redeemer will come to Zion. This is an example of being a messianic passage. You and I represent Zion, all right? The Redeemer, Jesus, the Messiah will come to Zion and to those who, what's the next word? What's that word? to those who turn from transgressions, says the Lord. This is my covenant with them, my spirit who is upon you and my word which I have put in your mouth. We're gonna talk about this passage a little bit more. Shall not depart from... Let's go on to that, guys, I'm sorry. Shall not depart from your mouth nor from the mouth of your descendants from this time and forevermore. So the scripture says to us there that because of his word being in our mouth and because of his spirit being upon us that it will be in our descendants. And if you read it, it adds our, not only our children but our children's children and our children's children's children. In other words, what we see in this passage is legacy. God wants there to be a legacy. And here's the cool thing, a legacy of victory. How many wanna leave a legacy of victory for your kids and grandkids? that they walk in spiritual victory. So I want to break down this concept of legacy and and say, how does that play out in spiritual warfare for us? What is the pattern? If we have a, a pattern of legacy to raise the standard, then what does that look like? So here's the first idea. Ready? Write this down. If we're going to do that, if we're going to raise the standard through legacy, here's where we do it. We do it through a legacy of repentance. A legacy of repentance. Now, where do you get that, Pastor Jared, when you read the passage? Let's go back to the the passage we're reading here, and it says this. It says, you guys bring up the next part. It says, to those who turn from transgression, says the Lord. And then he goes on to say, this is my covenant. I'll give you my spirit. I'll give you my word. The key idea here is, is that the victory comes from turning from transgression, That's the promise. Those are the people who receive the victory. The covenant is for those who turn from transgression. So let's talk a little bit about what transgression is. Transgression means to sin. How many here have ever sinned? All right. We sin, but here's what that word transgression also means. It means to rebel or to break away. And I love what the word repentance means because when we repent of our sins, here's what the word repentance means. It means to turn back. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have children? Wave at me. All right. When our children are little and we're walking on the sidewalk, we tell them what? We hold their hand often and we tell them don't run into the street, right? Because if they go into the street, cars could be coming. They could get hit by a car. It would be a horrible thing. And so if our children transgress, in other words, instead of following the path that we have for them, they revolt from that path. They move from that path to turn away. That's what sin is. And they begin to move towards the street. That's transgression. That's what you and I do when we sin. God has a path. What does the Bible say? The steps of a good man are ordered By the Lord, ordered of the Lord. God has a path for you. And listen, he's not some evil God who's up there that just wants to squash all your fun and not let you do anything fun. No, he's trying to get you on the right path because if you're on the wrong path, heading towards the road, there's consequences. The wages of sin is... Death. So he's trying to save you from going the wrong path and get you on the right path. But when we transgress, we go our way, which is the wrong way. What repentance is, it means to turn back and go the other way. So if you say to your kids, hey, get out of the street, if they're truly repentant, they don't keep running and go, oh, I'm sorry and then run into the street and play. You see, there's a lot of people, I think even in churches around the country, that feel like they're repenting of their sins, but really all they're doing is saying, I'm sorry, and then continuing on with what they're doing. And what I want to challenge us with is if we're going to see victory... In spiritual warfare and the battles that we're engaged in, it's not just saying, oh, God, I'm sorry that I lied about that thing. I feel bad about it. It's not just saying, oh, I'm sorry. What it is is it's willing to turn and go the other way because true repentance has godly sorrow. In other words, you turn from where you're going and you change directions. I'm going to tell you, key to victory is repentance. In fact, let me show you a good verse in the New Testament. Let's go to a, a verse that talks about spiritual warfare. And many times we don't realize this. It's found in James chapter 4, verse 7. It says this. It says, submit yourselves, then, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, a lot of us have heard that verse growing up. Resist the devil. How many have heard that phrase? Resist the devil, and he will flee. This is a a verse about spiritual warfare. But what oftentimes we don't do is read the first part or focus on the first part, which begins with submit to God. And guess what the word submission means in the Greek there? It means to come under the control of, to put yourself under, to arrange under. Let, Let me ask this question. How many here have ever ridden horses? All right, how many are scared of horses? Come on, when you get on a horse, don't you feel kind of, Powerful, right? Don't you feel like you want to have a hat and boots and just go yeah ha? I mean, how I many when you get on a horse, you can't help yourself. You just want to shout yeah ha, right? You want to put up the six shooter, <laughs> shoot something in the air. You know, I don't know about you, but when I get on a horse, I want to just like kick my heels and go cha cha cha. Woo, come in, right? I mean, no, you don't do that on a horse, especially if you don't know how to ride one. I had that happen to me, by the way, and it was not a good, it's, I, it's a story I don't have time to tell this morning, but I remember um, many years ago, um, for Pastor Appreciation, the church gave us, uh, my family, a gift certificate to go horseback riding, so we went up to this little place off the 210, and we, all get, you know, we get there, and you know, I'm waiting to get on these horses, because I'm, I'm thinking, oh man, what's going to be like getting on you know, Black Beauty, right? Remember that movie years ago? this big awesome amazing horse we come walking up and there's all these u-shaped horses you know it's like there's the head the shoulders and then it goes down like this and then there's the behind so we just walk over and just get on the horse like this and are sitting down and and uh these horses were trained horses to follow the trail but how many know there's always one horse there's always one in a crowd right And so as we're riding, I'm the first horse, we're going along, my horse for some reason did not want to stay on the trail. It kept wanting to go off on its own. And I was always, you know, doing the, you know, pulling the reins and I tried to, that didn't work. And I had to kind of kick and it was tough to get this horse on the trail. And the problem was, is when I went off track, my kids on their horses went off track too. And what this scripture is saying when we read in Ephesians, or I'm sorry, in James, it says, put yourself under the reins, come under the control, the guidance, the leadership of God, then, in other words, when you repent and quit running your way and to surrender to God's way, then you can resist the devil and he will flee. And a lot of people are struggling with victory and breakthrough in spiritual warfare and it's because our mentality is sorry and we keep on running into the street. I'm gonna keep on doing what I want with my finances. Even though God says I'm supposed to honor him with my tithe, I'm sorry God, I wish I had more faith and we just run into the street and then we wonder when we go into battle spiritually for our finances, we don't see breakthrough. Because submit to God, then resist and he will flee. Somebody say amen. Amen. You see, I want to tell you today what God's trying to teach us is we raise the standard and we pass a legacy down of victory for our children. But one of those principles has to be repentance. Oh, that we would be a people of repentance. Oh, that we would be people not just quick to say, I'm sorry, but quick to turn, humble our hearts. What does God say? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from transgressions, we just read it, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land, and I will forgive their sins. What God is looking for in the church is a church who will repent of their sins, who will teach their children to repent and turn. And oh, when we do, guess what? There is a power and there is authority that comes for us to resist the enemy, and he will flee, amen? Amen, I feel like preaching this morning. Anybody ready for victory? A legacy of repentance. Let me give you the next thing we read in this passage and that is a legacy of the word the next part of this breakthrough of raising the standard is a legacy of the word let's read what it says in Isaiah fifty nine twenty one. he says turn from your transgressions these are the ones that I will give my covenant to this is my covenant with them and then look what he goes on to say my spirit who is upon you and what my words, which I have put in your mouth. That's the key to victory. It's another pattern in this breakthrough. It's not just repentance. It's not just intercession. It's interesting because right there we see two things, the spirit and the word. If we go to the parallel passage we've been looking at in Ephesians, which talks about spiritual warfare, look what it says. It, takes, it says, take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We see this idea, the Spirit and the Word, the Spirit and the Word, the Spirit and the Word. I'm going to tell you, you don't just need the Spirit, you need the Word. I want to take a verse that was given to Joshua, this, this message given to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. And it's a, a, it's a covenant that God made, and from that I want to talk to you about the Word of God. Because I think sometimes in the church we devalue or we don't realize the power of God's word. Because if we did, we would get a little bit more activated in the word. And so I want to read it to you. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. It says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. So that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Now look what it says. Then you will be prosperous and successful. If the word is a legacy we're supposed to pass on to our children, if the word is part of our spiritual victory, then let's talk about the word. Let's talk about this legacy of the word. And I want to help you with a few thoughts. Write this down. If we're going to pass on a legacy of the word, the first thing we have to do is we have to, and from this verse, we have to read it. Everybody say read it. Look at what it said a moment ago. It says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. I just want to make an idea here, taking this verse, uh, kind of present this thought. How many here have ever showed up to a test that you didn't study for? Come on, now remember repentance. We just preached on this a minute ago. And what happens? You're praying for a multiple choice test. So you can guess. But if it's an essay... How many know you're in trouble? Because here's the point. You can't repeat what you haven't read. If the word, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, is the key to victory, you can't repeat what you haven't read. You can't declare what you haven't seen. You can't give away what you haven't received. And so what God is trying to challenge us with is simply this. If you want to walk in victory and the word is a key ingredient for the victory in your life, you've got to read it. Did you know that I looked into um, some statistics and what I discovered is that less than 20%, less than one in five of every Christians even read the Bible more than four times a week. And we wonder why we're so weak. And why we lose so often against the enemy's plans against us. We've got to pass on a legacy. But we can't pass on what we've never read. So we've got to read it. Everybody say read it. Here's the second thing we have to do. This is what we see in Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. Not only do we read it, but the second thing is we need to think about it. Think about it. Look at what it says in Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. He says, first of all, let this word be on your lips. It won't be on your lips if you haven't read it. Secondly, he says, now meditate on it day and night. These are the words of Joshua. What's interesting about the word meditate is here's what it comes from. It's a Hebrew word which means to chew the cud. That's the image, like a cow. How many of you have ever seen the cows in the field and they go like this? What are they doing? Now, it's kind of gross They eat the the grass. It goes into their stomach. And then some of it comes back out. And then they chew on it. Trying to wake some of you up this morning. (laughs) They're chewing on. Let me ask you a question. How often do you chew on God's word? Because you read it. You ate it. What did Jesus say? Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So you, you took it in, and then you brought it back up, and you chewed on it. You thought about it all day. When was the last time you meditated? Let me, let me ask you, what do you think about all day long? Now, I'll be honest with you, sometimes I think all day long about food. How many have ever? And, and, and there's, this, there's this restaurant right now And I get into tangents and binges with certain places. Anybody do the same thing? And right now I have a place that I think about all the time. And what's interesting, this place called Hungry Ninja, it's not a high level, high quality place for food, but they have some really good um, teriyaki chicken, okay? And so I love the pineapple teriyaki chicken. And I think about this chicken all the time. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Just letting you into my private world, pulling back the curtain here. And what's interesting is I end up, because I'm chewing on the cud, I'm thinking about this chicken all the time. I end up changing my path of driving. Sometimes wherever I'm going, oh, I just, well, hey, look at here. I'm right by... Hungry Ninja, why don't we stop and get some chicken? Because when I think of it, let me just say it this way, the things you always think about will affect your decisions. And I want to say today that a lot of us are missing out on the power, on the authority, on the breakthrough, on the freedom that is ours because we aren't chewing on the cud. We're not thinking about the promises of God. We're not not focusing on the things that he's given us. And there are breakthroughs. There are things that God has for you in his word. But you've got to read it and you've got to think about it. You all still with me? And here's the third thing. Well, let me just say this before I give you the third thing. What happens when I don't think about the Bible? Let me tell you some things that happen. Number one, I tend to magnify the weaknesses of others and minimize my own. You know, the Bible says the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, and it reveals the thoughts and intents of the heart. You know, when I don't think about and meditate on the word of God, you know what I tend to do? I tend to evaluate all I see as if this is all there is. In other words, there's no eternity. And so I don't store up treasure in heaven. I don't think about eternal things. I just think about this life. When I don't meditate on the word of God, here's another thing. I tend to close my hands on my possessions and think they're mine. Not realizing that God is the owner of all and I'm the steward. When I don't meditate on the word of God, here's another one. I tend to hold on to my anger too long and not walk in forgiveness Because I forget that I've been forgiven We could go down the list Think of all the things that we could write down On that list when we don't meditate On the word of God But here's what God's saying to us today I want to give you power I want to give you authority to break the enemy That's coming against you And the key is to pass on a legacy of repentance And a legacy of the word So we've got to read it We've got to think about it And here's the last thing We've got to repeat it Write it down Repeat it. Repeat the word. Look what it said. It says, be careful then to do everything written in it. I'll give you four thoughts of repeating. Here's how you repeat it. Number one, repeat it through your actions. My wife will leave notes for my children of things they're supposed to do. And here's the thing. We know that they read it if the chores are done. If the chores aren't done, they didn't read it. Because when you read it, when you think about it, then you repeat it through your actions. Here's another way to to repeat it, is repeat it to my children. Do you know the Bible says that we're supposed to tell our kids his commands when we're walking down the road, when we're sitting on the bed? That we're supposed to repeat it, we're supposed to tell them we're supposed to help them to understand we just read a moment ago that he said my word that is in your mouth shall be in the mouth of your children and your children's children and your children's children children from this time and forevermore God wants us to repeat his promises I want my son Hudson who's sitting in the front row to repeat his promises I want him to know the word but I've got to read it I've got to think about it and I've got to repeat it if he's going to repeat it he'll never repeat what he's never heard he'll never do what he's never been taught he'll never do what he hasn't seen modeled God wants us to repeat it repeat it through our actions repeat it to my children here's another one repeat it to myself I want to tell you this is a big one maybe you're walking in sickness and you're struggling and you need to build your faith what does the Bible say Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So one of the greatest ways you can build your faith is to get into the word and begin to say, oh, I don't feel good today, but guess what? Um, Every morning I wake up, there is new mercy because the Bible says new mercies are every morning. Oh, wait a minute. There's a promise which says, by his stripes, I am healed. So God, I thank you that there's healing for me because your word says, by his stripes, I'm healed. So I receive my healing in Jesus' name. There are promises but we forget his promises. Repeat it to your children, but repeat it to yourself. Some of you need to repeat to yourself, I know I'm struggling, but wait a minute, the word says, greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. Wait a minute, the word says, I can do all things to Christ who strengthens me. Wait a minute, the word says, I need to remember that I am more than a conqueror through him who loves me. Oh, repeat it to yourself. And here's the last thing repeat it to the enemy how did jesus fight the enemy he went into the wilderness the bible says to be tempted he fasted for 40 days and the and the devil shows up to tempt him and he says turn that stone into bread and what does he do he doesn't fight on his own he looks and he says wait a minute devil you're coming at me trying to get me to be tempted because i'm so hungry to turn that stone into a into a crispy cream donut well forget you Because the word of God says, it is written, thou shalt not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It is written. You know what some of us need? To start declaring to the enemy what God has said about him. Some of us need to start declaring to the enemy what God has said about our families and our futures and our destiny and this world. Repeat the promises of God. Amen? That's good preaching. Amen. And when you do, when there's a legacy of repentance, when there's a legacy of the word, in, in Joshua, what did we read? Then you will be what? Prosperous and what? Successful. I'm gonna tell you, the word is powerful. I wanna read a verse to you and I wanna bring this sermon to a close. It's found in 2 Timothy chapter three because we need repentance we need to pass that on to our families we need to be people of repentance but not only that we need to be people of the word it's sad to me I believe the church is the most unprepared biblically illiterate church that we've ever seen and yet there are more bibles in the world you can have a bible with you every moment of the day it's called YouVersion version on your phone it's free we're so, so many Christians don't read. And here's the problem. It says in 2 Timothy 3.15, it says, all scripture is inspired by God and is what? Useful. It's useful. The Bible is useful. The word of God is youth, useful to teach us. Now look what God does with it. God uses it to what? Prepare and equip his people to do every good work let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever had a dream where you showed up to school and then you realized in the dream you were wearing your underwear? <laughs> How many of you know what I'm talking about? Anybody have one of those moments? You show up and you're sitting in class. This, for some reason, this dream supposedly happens to lots of people. And you're sitting in class, you're looking around, and then you go, I'm only wearing my underwear. How many of you have ever had a dream like that? Maybe since school, only five? Wow! None of you can even relate. Forget it. We're going to end the sermon. <laughs> it's a horrible feeling because in the dream you're like, <gasps> "What if somebody sees?" That's the crazy part of the dream. Is you're sitting there in your underwear, you've walked into school in your underwear, and, and yet nobody's noticed. And you're sitting there thinking, "Someone's going to notice that I'm in my underwear. This is embarrassing." It's it's a it's one of those like anxious dreams. You know, I I began to think about it and I realized how many times are Christians showing up to the battle and they're wearing their underwear? They don't have a sword. They don't have the breastplate. They don't have shoes of the gospel of peace. They don't have the helmet of salvation. How many Christians are in the middle of a spiritual battle in their underwear with no weapons, and they're wondering why the enemy is pushing them back. They wonder why the enemy is robbing and stealing and destroying the promises that God has for you. But here's the good news. When you're in the word, when you study the word, God uses it to prepare and to equip you for every good work. You can do the things, God. has called you to do you can fulfill your calling you can fulfill your destiny you can do what you're called to do you can defeat the enemy why because you have everything you need right at your fingertips to defeat the enemy to raise the standard to push back the enemy but you have to get in and read meditate repeat the word of god the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, victory can be yours. It's time for us to see the the enemy run and flee. It's time for us to walk in the authority, to walk in the breakthrough, to walk in the power that God has called us to. Quit walking in defeat and start walking in the victory God has for you because guess what? He's fighting with you but he's waiting for you to join the battle, to intercede, to stand in righteousness, to release the spirit and to activate the word.